This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. And welcome everybody to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I am your humble host, John Allen. It's been a long time since I've spoken with you, but here we are. Uh, thank you all for being here. I want to say this as well. If you look in the episode of this description, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on a podcast platform, check that description. And in that description, you'll see several links that you can click into if you'd like to support the work that I do here on the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. There's a Patreon link. There's a uh, buy me a coffee link. I, I love coffee. There it is. Somebody loves me. Uh, send Buy me a coffee different ways that you can support my work here. It's not necessary, but I do appreciate it. Okay. Today's guest, Michelle Higgins. Hi, Michelle. Hi, John. How are you? You know, I'm doing well. Uh, (laughs) It's you are the one that is a uh, licensed mental health um, uh, counselor. So you'll tell me (laughs) if I'm okay by the end of this, by the end of this conversation. (laughs) All right. I want to give a shout out before we even get started. I want to give a shout out to Tiffy, Tiffany Troutman, uh, my little girl, my my a good friend of mine. She's a sister of mine. She's a uh, a guest host on this program. She's the one that told me all about you. So there's the there's the bar. I've, we've got a high that's bar here. High bar. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany's wonderful. So yeah, that's a definitely a high bar. Well, uh, <laughs> T- Tiffy speaks highly of you, um, and I think highly of the work that you do. Um, mental health is of special interest uh, to me. Um, I see people suffering and I want to help. Yeah. I'm no kind of a licensed therapist. I'm, I'm, I'm not active in the mental health field, but the mental health field really interests me. Um, we'll get more into that about why later, but what is it that brought you to the line of work that you're in now? Um, it wasn't my original intention. I was actually going to be um, a physical therapist. Oh, <laughs> so my, okay. bachelor's degree, my bachelor's degree was all in um, was basically pre-med because you had to go in to get a master's at the time. I think now you need a PhD to be a physical therapist. So. That's right. But, yeah. um, but at the time, I just kind of took uh, pre-med classes, basically, with my undergrad in order to get into grad school. But then I became very bored. We had to do so many volunteer hours <laughs> in in order to get into grad school. And I found that I ended up talking with people mostly about what they were going through or Interesting. what their injuries or their traumas or whatever happened to why they would need the physical therapy in the first place. And I got really bored of like the sets and the reps. <laughs> and well, that kind of stuff. well, yeah, I can, I can kind of get on board with that as a, as a competitive yeah. power lifter. Um, and, and getting, you know, having conversations with people who train others, personal trainers, uh, and and people who do it on a less, uh, professional basis, the best trainers, the best personal trainers, the best physical therapists are the ones who are good talkers. Right. And listeners too. Well, yeah, yeah. Good conversationalists, I'll say. So they're good at both listening and talking. Yeah. Interesting. So, so you, that you kind of just led me into that. And I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to go to grad school for psychology instead. So that's kind of how that happened. Yeah. Um, and I worked with the disabled children at a private school for disabled children for a while, too, as I was going back to grad school. And that kind of formed my my interest as well. Are you a native Floridian? Are you a native Floridian? You're in Florida now. I'm, I'm in Florida. I've been in Florida since 2001. Um, but I was I'm from New Hampshire. Family's all from Mass. Okay. And I'm from New Hampshire. Yep. Yeah. So what, yeah. What is, that, what is it that brought you to Florida? Um I Tiffy? one really bad winter actually. No, it was one yeah, Tiffy. <laughs> I didn't know her until I moved it. 
it was one really bad winter. I remember there was like a snowstorm after snowstorm after snowstorm, and I'm just like, I'm done. I'm done. And I was rebelling winter. I wouldn't wear my, my winter jacket. You're in Norway. You understand, I think, somewhere. And from Ohio, so I know about the snow there, too. So, yeah. I actually appreciate winter now. It took me 20 years, but now I, I actually don't mind. Like, I like to go visit it. It's nice to have a few days in the snow, but it's also good to get out of it. Right, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So, so that was, yeah, and my 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 mother was already here too, so that kind of oh okay point. So yeah, Re- retired in Florida. She is now, yeah, yeah. So they were down here. My parents were down here, and I just um, came here as like my my jumping off point. So yeah, and I'm so, still here. So you you work from home now, currently, correct? I have been, and I yeah, I love it. <laughs> you know, can can you talk about that? Because a lot of people are looking at. How do I say this? Because I don't want to. I don't want to downplay anyone's uh, trauma or anyone's negative experience. Mm-hmm. But, but these times of isolation and upheaval because of the pandemic have not been all negative for all people. No. And you seem yeah. to be one of those people who has managed, if not if not flourished. Can you talk about yeah. that? How did this come to be for you, and and how has it affected you? The weird thing is that I actually, I think I'm ahead of my time a little bit with the telehealth thing, because I remember even in grad school, we did a project and I, mine was, um, this is like before, because I'm old now, I'm going to date myself, but this is before like the social media. And I did a project and I actually called it the social web. Okay. <laughs> this, yeah. is before, this is before it happened, right? Yeah. And I wanted to find a way to do counseling online because I wanted to travel and I realized I couldn't travel if I was stuck in one spot, right? I, 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 I have, and I can't just abandon my clients, like, because I feel like traveling the world or I want to go live on an island or something. Yeah, so yeah. I actually wanted this. And at the time, nobody bought into it. Nobody thought it would work. They're like, how is that going to work? You're going to lose some of that human connection. Now, here. how far back are we talking? When was this? Uh, 2004, 2005. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally different time. Actually, that was quite actually, forward maybe, thinking. Maybe, you. Yeah, actually, I think it was like 2000, 2001, because I remember thinking about it when I was still in grad school. I'm old. So, yeah. Now, hold on. Now, that's, that's two times you've offended me because I think I'm older than you. So, you're saying I'm an well, old I, grandpa. It's my own self judgment. It's my own <laughs> self judgment. You're fine. And men age better. Men are men. You know, you're aging great. So, well, thank you. I think. You're right. so, um, so, you were thinking of something. I wanted. I mean, that already. was rather forward thinking at that time. It was. Yeah. That's what I said. I think I'm ahead of my time. And I, I did a whole project on it and I, and I called it the social web before it was even social media. So that was like the name of my project that I did. And then, um, you know, and I, yeah. So I, then I, when it, when it actually happened, um, I fell right into it, but I'm somebody that I really like my own space and not being micromanaged or not being in an office. So I, my personality thrives and there are some people's personality that they just rather be home. Yeah. You um, know, and I, I wonder how many people up through the years, uh, maybe you have an, uh, some thoughts or an opinion on this. I wonder how many people up through the years um, have simply become, and I put this in air quotes, unemployable. Uh, they've mm-hmm. maybe been through four or five different jobs or, you know, several different career starts because they don't have that personality or that mentality that thrives in that close knit office, um, yeah. uh, environment. Uh, I, I'm, I mean, all I need is this microphone and my mixer <laughs> and a video screen and I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing. 
Um, I wonder how many people have been fallen, have fallen by the wayside and just been gone through a lot of. I think because of the pandemic, it's that there was a lot of old models, like the original old models. I know people that their bosses um, don't understand that somebody can work from home. They have to come into meetings. They have to do, but it's a. Well, isn't that the boss's, isn't that the boss's own insecurity? He does. He can't trust his leadership skills, so he has to have people under his thumb directly, right there yes, in the I think office. That's the old style. Like unless people are micromanaged and we're on top of them, they're going to slack off. They're not going to work. Right. When some people thrive, they're just left to like give me my task and tell yeah. me what I got to do, and I'll go do it. Well, here in Norway, they seem to have embraced the work from home concept. Yeah. Um, what What are people thinking back home? How did How did people adjust to that? depends on the company. I think it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's both. I mean, there are some companies that are thriving and they're realizing they can actually save overhead, you know, like you don't yeah, have to pay yeah. for as much overhead office supplies or, or rent or electricity, well, all, all the expenses. It makes sense. Well, There's, think about, yeah. Think about some of these, uh, the, 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 the more expensive real estate areas like Los Angeles mm-hmm. or, or New York city. And yeah. now all of a sudden these companies can save millions tens of millions maybe hundreds that's, of millions because they don't have to think my, about office space right yeah that's my thought now i have some clients that can't i just talk to people through counseling and stuff and a lot of them are if they work for the government like these government contractors that are in my county like north of grumman or rockwell collins like all these government yeah. they're they have to go in they're old school they want people they're like that more of that militant kind of we want to make sure you're here and well oh uncle sam's a little insecure he doesn't he, he's, right. he's got to have those <laughs> so, employees there <laughs> right so it depends on the company if it's the government workers i've noticed they have to go in more um no i don't know yeah. what the long-term effects of the pandemic, you know, we're still pretty much right in the middle of the pandemic. So we don't know what the long-term effects are going to be, but I do wonder of one change that has come about that will remain is this new way of thinking when it comes to where your employees can work. I I see it as nothing but a positive. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, I have my moments personally where I miss people, Mm -hmm. but, but as far as my productivity, as far as the productivity yeah. to many workers, I think it's actually gone up because they can Me work too. from home. Yeah. And you can manage life better, I think, too. Like, I, I'm doing my counseling, and if somebody cancels or something happens, I'm home. I can clean. I can get yeah. things done around here. I can run an errand. Yeah. You know, if I'm in an office, I have to wait. I can't do things that I would normally do because I'm yeah. there. So, yeah. Well, you people know, that have children and they can multitask. Well, and then those like people, yeah, and then those people who have worked in the office, um, you know, you get your you get your daily tasks, and that mm-hmm. may not match with your eight hour workday. You may be able to finish right. in three in three hours. Right. Think of all of the mental, the unnecessary mental pressure, all the stress that is yeah. put on that employee to look busy for that remaining yeah. five hours of their workday, <laughs> and and I mean, you can only go to the toilet. <laughs> and and surf on your phone for so right. long before your boss right. is going to wonder where you are. But when you're at home, right. you're getting, I say more, probably more breaks. work done. Can, and you can take your, and the productivity just shoots through the roof. I can do, I, I, this is like my little yoga room that I have here. And I can, so it's like my office and a yoga room. I can turn, I'll turn around and I'll do like yoga if I have a cancellation. So uh, that's like healthy, right? Yeah, and then yeah. I, I can't do yoga in an office. I mean, I could, but it'd be awkward. Well, there's been studies uh, that have been done that say that if um, if employees get just a 10 minute break every hour where they can walk on a treadmill or even jog on a treadmill or sit on a stationary bike, 
or meditate yeah. or yoga or something like that. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. productivity shoots through the roof. So you have the opportunity and, to do all those. The doors are open for those kind of things when you're working from home. Exactly. And I and I think it's healthier, too. It means if you're doing things that are healthy for your body and your mind, then your life satisfaction, your satisfaction with your work and just your happiness and your overall, overall well-being is going to improve, too. So. You've said, some, you've said something now that I think off, think very often about the connection mm-hmm. between physical health and mental health. Oh, yeah. Can you speak to that? What do you see in your, your, your clientele in your, in your, in your people who come to you? Um, do you see enough to have this clinical idea of what physical health means in relation to mental health? Can you talk about that a little bit? In other yeah, words, in other well, words no, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, it's going to say they're definitely intertwined. I mean, you're, it's all connected. It's all one system. It's just different aspects of the same system. Um, for example, I do a lot of trauma. Like my specialization is more trauma. I do a lot of um, like PTSD trauma work. So just that alone, you think about um, having a panic response or a trauma yeah. response. It's very physical as well yes. as mental, right? So Racing, heartbeat, sweats. The fight or flight response, the adrenaline response, yeah. often that triggers. So that's yeah. a connection right there. A very one I think most people can relate to. Just anxiety or nervousness or panic, and then you take it to a level. So if the mind's thinking one thing or triggered by something, the whole the whole system's going to react. Right? Do you ever so, do you ever delve into the more um, organic or the more uh, how do you say it? The more holistic approach to mental oh, health. Yeah. Think you know think yeah. thinking thinking about PTSD for example, mm-hmm. and how meditation oh yeah like can, every day can help can help against that mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah every day i bring it up i um it's it's definitely proven and there's a certain kind of therapy i do called trauma focused cognitive behavioral therapy and that one of the stages is working on relaxation skills with people and meditation and things as part of that so, yeah. I, i've talked uh, several times on my podcast about how uh, i've given myself a, a self-written prescription that I will give myself uh, 10 to 15 minutes every day of mm-hmm. me time that consists of deep thought and or meditation for 10 or 15 yeah. minutes every day, regardless of what's going on. Awesome. And Perfect. I'm telling you that's, uh, you know, but for anybody who's watching or yeah. listening, I'm telling you that is good medicine. First of it's all, getting people to do it. I have a hard time getting people like I'll tell them and they're like, yeah, 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 I'll do it. Yeah. But it's, it's like, well, they don't see the value of it yet. I'm like, just do it for a minute. Yeah. Just try for a minute. I mean, even if you do a minute of meditation, that's huge. Yeah, your absolutely. Your brain is constantly wanting to talk to you. If you could just observe it for yeah. one minute. Um, yeah. And then work up. You know, it's, um, it can be hard to do because people feel like you have to have some sort of mantra, you know, or whatever, but you, you don't, you don't necessarily have to, I mean, you can, you don't necessarily yeah. have to do that. But if you just have that mentality that, okay, for 10 minutes, I'm going to try, you may not succeed, yeah. but I'm going to try and clear my thoughts, at least clear yes. them of all things negative, you know? Yeah. And if right. you just put right. some effort towards that, all of a sudden you're doing five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 exactly. minutes, all of a sudden you found time to do it for a half hour. And, it can't, and it's about the practice, not perfection. Exactly. It's about just practicing training your mind, practicing that control. And it can be life-changing. Yeah. So you've had, you've had it help you? How has it helped oh, you? Absolutely. I was taking a, um, 
I was taking a course uh, to be what's called here in Norway a, a health cons- cons- health counselor. Um, okay. And what like are the, yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah, with a focus on both counselor. nutrition, uh, uh, the the mental process, um, uh, and and physical activity. Yeah, kind of combining yeah. all of those things together. And one, it's very similar, yeah. And one thing that we spoke about is how people who have, um, uh, you know, some sort of negative complex about themselves, you know, a mm-hmm. bad self-image, um, yeah. just the the idea of taking those 10 minutes for themselves can be monumental. Yeah. Um, but if they can get it done, it can literally change the way they perceive themselves in that there's they'll they'll start thinking wow i finally decided that i mean something to myself and look what's happening now that i'm using time on myself and it can change their eating habits which will then change their body composition which would then change hopefully some part of their self-image and so on and there's this snowball effect just because they started taking that 10 minutes so i learned that during that class and i'm like you know i, I don't have a bad self-image you know i don't have any uh, uh, trauma at the moment that needs handling, but let me, but let <laughs> yeah. me just do this 10 minute thing. And, yeah. and this was maybe 15, 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've been yeah. doing it ever since. And it's just amazing. And to, you stuck with it. Yeah. And you get, you just get those few minutes where you're like, okay. You know, and you, you come out of it and you're stronger, you're more focused, right. you feel better about, of course, we all have negative things in our life, but we're, we're I, I feel better, better. Yeah, yeah, better equipped to handle it just by taking those 10, 15 minutes a day. It, so. it's, they've actually done studies, like even just, uh, I forget what the exact percentage is, but like, like 15 minutes of meditation equals so many hours of sleep. Yeah. Like that restfulness and what it does for the brain. And I forget the exact equation, but there is like, it, it's significant. Like it, just taking those 15 minutes yeah, and you have your, yeah. well, re- you meant the brain is as, as rested as a couple hours of sleep. Well, it's a, it's a snowball effect and it can, uh, you know, and talking about sleep, you know, there's a lot of people, artists, especially, you know, musicians, uh, yeah. writers, you know, those people who are in that cerebral process for a living, uh, yeah. very often have sleep, sleep issues. But yeah. that can be counterbalanced to a certain degree, as you say, that meditation time, yeah. it does yeah. something with resetting your brain. It equals a certain amount of sleep. So And, re- yeah. and your ability to cope with stress and handle anything that comes at you, yeah. Just, yeah, I agree. Well, you, and, well you know, and, and uh, before I started doing those 10 minutes, I was what I would call a stressful guy, stressed yeah. out guy. Yeah, little the little things that would come into my day-to-day life i would dwell on them way too long way too you know long. what else i do as far as that's concerned is and this is kind of different but i actually prescribe people time to worry as well because mm. i feel like it's a it's time limited if you're gonna so the people that worry like um non-stop all day blah, 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 you know the brain's just going 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 stress 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 i'm like okay between five and six give you an hour you're going to write down, you're going to write it out, you're going to journal, you're going to just get it all out, you're going to worry, you're going to overthink it to death. Yeah. But once that time is up, you put it back in the box in your head. So you're not suppressing it, you're just delaying it. You know? Yeah, I'm glad you <laughs> said that. Out. Yeah, because I don't... Right? Yeah. So, I'm glad yeah. you said that because I don't want people to think that I'm saying that there, you should never consider your problems or issues. You know, you should always have that time. And, and that's something that, uh, that I do, uh, Snoopy, my wife, I, her mm-hmm. nickname is Snoopy. Uh, <laughs> when, when we have a lot to think about, when we have decisions uh, that need to be made, 
Mm-hmm. We drop everything. We get in the car. Mm-hmm. We drive into the square here in town and sit yeah. down at a coffee house, have coffee and talk. That's nice. And That's a set. It, you make the time for it and it's scheduled. It's not like it's a constant running script in your head. It's, it's almost a neurological programming thing. That actual, that physical act of us leaving the house, yeah. you know, yeah. leaving the, yeah. the hotbed of issues and whatnot, leaving um, that, getting the car, nice. going to this other place. Something yeah. about that physical process mm-hmm. helps us to talk, you know, through some decisions yeah. that we have to make or whatever. Yeah. yeah that's great. No, that's great. And it's, it's prescribed too. So you're not going to dwell in, in upset. Yes. It's good for like a of people. Yes. Like we've we've so blocked off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've blocked off that so time and space to, to, to deal with the issue. And then after you're done and you go about your, your life, you're not going to think, continue to like, unless there's like a task that you need to do, but you're not going to continue to like ruminate over it. Yeah. So that combined with taking time to meditate is, is really helpful. Let me, let me ask you this. You as a therapist, you as a counselor, if you have a client um, and you know he or she needs help, but you see that that process, you know, that whole thing with them actually coming and speaking with you is very difficult for them. Mm-hmm. And they miss an appointment. They miss a couple appointments. What mm. do you do? How do you balance that? You don't want to be bothersome. You don't want it to look like you're trying to, you're just trying to get, you know, get your fee for having them as a client, but you know, right. this person needs help. And, you know, where do you, where do you balance that coercion well, versus cooperation? There, yeah. There comes a point where, it's I'm not willing to work harder than they are, right? So uh, if it's their issue, um, and they don't well, at least from a counselor's perspective, if if they one if they're if they come and they don't want to come back, I'm I'm wondering if maybe I'm the right fit or if they're comfortable with me if there's a rapport issue because I really focus strongly on just making people relaxed and building their rapport first. Yeah. Um, but after a certain point, if they're avoidant, th- I mean it depends. I worked with like DCF cases where our court mandated cases where people are just resistant. They're only coming because the court says they have to. And at that point, those are the ones I'm not willing to work harder for because they're not ready. Yeah. People have to be ready and want the change. That motivation has to be right. there already. Right. And if it's not and they're mandated, then I'm not, ch- I'd, I've got to the point where I'm not chasing people. Otherwise it's codependent kind of. Right. So well, I guess, point of view. yeah. And I guess that leads me to my that next question or the second half of that question is how do you, how do you, I mean, you're a human being, you have a heart, you have a soul, you care about people. How in the yeah. world do you balance that? How do you not get I'm sucked not, into the stories? Um, trial and error. And I've been doing this for a while because I used to, um, I think at first, and it was a, it was a practice. Um, when I, when it becomes to the point where it's draining me, then I can no longer help. Like that, put the oxygen mask on yourself first yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that comes with, I think, time and practice. I, I don't think I was as good about it when I started, but it was also having a lot of support too, supervision, other coworkers, other people to talk about and to bounce things off of. Yeah. So you're not just giving all the time, but you have collaboration with other people. Does that make sense? Like sure it does. Sure it does. Yeah. 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 Time. And just knowing your boundaries. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time and support from colleagues, support from leadership, uh, mature mm-hmm. maturity, maturity but, experience, and having honest talks with the person. You know, how willing are they into their change? And it's 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 like a dance almost too. Yeah. Some people really want the help, but they might not. It's just kind of helping guide them to get to that point. It really depends on their investment. If they're not willing to change, um, or they're not ready to, then you just pull back and. 
kind of be there for them when they are, you know. So, so <clears throat> when you're working with a group of therapists or counselors, you know, you're actually at a building again, back to that office supports thing. And, and, but, but now during this time of isolation, now during uh, the pandemic, you're mm -hmm. on your own. Uh, have yeah. there been any personal challenges? Again, going back to that thing about being a person with a heart and caring. Uh, yeah. And, and, and we, we both know that being in that, um, that pedagogic uh, environment with other therapists, you can bounce ideas and you can kind of have a debrief, if you will. But when you're alone, yeah. you don't get that. How, has this affected you in a negative way at all? I know you've already said that you've, you're doing fine. You love working right. from home. I know what you're but, saying, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, for me personally, I, I actually haven't been solely. I, I have an, uh, a private practice that I'm affiliated with, and I have gone in twice a week just because okay. I, I like them. So okay. I actually have been. I'm actually phasing that out and gonna, and I am working towards just strictly um, telehealth. So I'm not taking any new clients there. And that again is for the whole wanting to travel reason is the yeah. reason I'm doing it. It's, I'm kind of, I'm, cause this is like, it's just a private practice. I have a lot of autonomy there. I come in, I see my clients, I leave. So it's different than working for an agency like I used to do. I see. I love the private practice. I love it, but I get more canceled. I, one thing I find is I get a lot more cancellations because people have to get there Yeah. with my telehealth which is my own private thing on the side, the telehealth, I get hardly any because it's not hard for people to join. I they tell you. Whenever, so that I get higher participation on telehealth. I can see um, that. I can imagine someone who's in the middle of depression, someone who has anxiety. Oh, social anxiety? Oh. they are afraid of phobia? Like totally. They don't want to leave the house. Yeah, totally different thing when they can sit at home and, and just do it over video like this. Absolutely. Well, some people, I mean, the Teladoc platform, they let them choose between video or phone, too. So there's some that are just even too just anxious phone, about video, yeah. and they can call. So that's it's a different process, but i got to be really acute with I can't get the body cues. <laughs> I got to be well, with the audio. Well, yeah, you know, I um, uh, it's only been since uh, January of 2021 that I've been doing my mm -hmm. podcast by video. Before that, it was just by telephone or or yes. messenger, uh, uh, and and it was different. It's different, right? When yeah. you can't read the yeah. And then and then with video, uh, video is great, but it's even yeah. better when I can have my guest come here to my studio you know I've, I've got room so to have them come to the studio is another step forward again when it comes to that interpersonal uh communication i guess it's a little different yeah i guess it's a little different for no, someone who has it is, it is it is the challenge there is a there is a definite benefit i got i must admit to counseling in person yeah in some cases and there's some people that actually refuse to do tell i mean like again it's just it's it depends on the person and the clientele i find that the telehealth ones are blowing up. Like I'm seeing a lot more people. Then again, it also opens up the whole state to me. So I can see more people outside of my, my, my regular little County too. So the, the, the geography is, is opened up as well. How do you, how are you getting your clients then? Um, so I work through a company, it's Teladoc actually, it's a company that a lot of insurance carriers here are now affiliated with for um, online. It's, Healthcare, like it's a, it started off as a medical, like medical physical health right. platform, doctors, and they added the behavioral health counseling during the pandemic. And I, literally, just by chance, had 
left an agency job and right, when, right before the pandemic hit and I applied for Teladoc and um, they expedited because the pandemic, when it hit, they expedited my onboard process. So it was beautiful, beautiful. Um, Cause they wanted to reach many people. They realized there was a heightened anxiety. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's a company that, and their stock, they have taken off when COVID hit, like their stocks are like one of the highest stocks right now in the stock market. So they're really, they've actually got a really good program. I feel like I'm plugging them right now and I'm not meaning to. Well, <laughs> no, but, but I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll say this, I'll say this, what a good cause to plug. I mean, we're talking about people's yeah. mental health, which if, you know, if you ask me, you can never have a, enough focus on mental health. It's too often ignored. Um, yeah. A lot of a lot of platforms have sprung up yeah. since then. This one I just like because when it's affiliated with people's insurances here, so you don't have to pay out of pocket. Smooth, it's smooth pretty, the process. They've got like the whole HIPAA thing and the foreign, the, the, you know, yeah. it's 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 healing based as opposed to just other people trying to make money off. Here's my platform. Yeah. Join. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it's more evidence based clinical right. kind of focus. So I like it. I do have a, my own private little. Um, platform too there's a web page i have that i can see people on my own as well so i have that i want to make sure i get that web page for you i want to uh oh no no it's okay it's okay no i'm gonna (laughs) ask oh yeah okay (laughs) i love it i'm like i don't know i'm Ah. I'm getting too much work (laughs) you have to breathe yeah you have to have time to breathe one thing with michael i have no shortage of work i'm actually booked up for like weeks so actually it's almost hard like socially like i have friends or people that want to like Help me. And I'm like, okay, there's a gray area there. But <laughs> how much how much time do you work every day? Do you have a set number of hours you put in every day? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to cut back a little bit because I'm finding that I'm, like I said, I have more than a, it's been a balance. Like I have people that'll kind of like, can you extend your hours? Like, please. And like, it's that, that's yeah. my boundary I should have right now. It's yeah. like when to say no to people and refer them out because I'm getting to the point where I'm working too much. It's been about seven to eight, it depends on the day. Yeah. Um, you take weekends off? I've been, doing, I've been doing about 11 to 8, but I take a break. Like I'll schedule in a break where I am off. Um, so about 11 to 8 when I do Teladoc. Yeah. And, I'm gonna, and then when I go in office a couple days a week, maybe three or four hours just for the in-office people. Yeah. Have you seen a difference in the types of... Um, uh, the, the 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 types of mental health issues that you've had to deal with the most during right. the pandemic as opposed to before has there been a change? Um, anxiety disorders. It's like ninety like ninety nine percent of what I'm getting is anxiety, generalized anxiety or PTSD, social anxieties. The social anxieties have gone up, which is um, surprising because they I would think that they would do better like not wanting to leave the house. But I think, I think there's actually no, I think the uh, pandemic made them more scared because then they were afraid they were going to also catch an illness. I see. Let me, <laughs> let me ask you, can, let me ask you to, 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 to put your, um, put your, uh, uh, your teaching hat on. And for those who are watching and listening, who may not know exactly what a certain term is, can you tell us what is anxiety? Because I think anxiety has grown into this thing that, uh, oh, I'm stressed. I have anxiety. No, oh, yes, yeah. no, maybe. Can you tell me what is anxiety? It's when it becomes to the point where it's interfering with your functioning. So you have stress, but it's interfering with your ability to interact socially, for example, if it's a social issue or, um, just sleep or eat 
or it's consuming your most of your focus on work. It's consuming your relationships. It's it's interfering with some part of your life where you aren't able to function anymore. It's overwhelming. That's the mental part. Or the physical, you could be getting physical symptoms, nervous stomach, problems breathing, no. sweating, you know. So it, it's just when it becomes like a your main focus and you can't, it's causing problems. And something fighting. that goes on over a longer yes, period over, of time. Right, yeah. Yeah is the point where you're unable to manage it anymore. Isn't it true that anxiety is very seldom a mental health issue that stands alone? Doesn't it usually either come from something else such as PTSD or it will lead to the exposure of something like PTSD or, or anxiety can grow into something like agoraphobia? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, anxiety likes friends <laughs> in, the di- in the world of it diagnoses. Does. Yeah, it does. It, yeah, it can, it can grow. Yeah, um, usually there's some kind of root, or some people are just, you know, children are born with certain temperaments, mm. um, and they've shown, like, some children come out and they just never cry. They're just happy. You can just yeah. drop them on their head and they're like, mm, they're just happy with <laughs> babies, right? And then there's some babies that are just, their temperaments are anxious and shy and, and nervous from the start. That's a sensitive personality type, and they tend to be more prone to developing an anxiety or depression disorder later. Interesting. Those kind of babies, like they get really, yeah, any yeah. little thing spirals them, or the, the what they're just they don't have separation anxiety problems already at a young age. You can see that they're just anxious little people. So but there is a there's a biological component for some. Yeah, that was going to be my question. How much do you think? How much of that do you think is a biological component, and how much of that do you think is some sort of? Um, but well, then again, let me just back up. If we're thinking of, of, of research. Yeah, well, if we're thinking of it being something biological, it could be something that is just within that individual. But how much does the the nine months of pregnancy and what the mother is, I don't know, eating, drinking, uh, uh, yeah. experiencing, how much of that can be placed on? I'm sure that? there's studies on it. Yeah. I'm sure there's studies on it. I don't personally know, but I know yeah. that there's a component. And I, I'm sure that there's studies that have been done to explore that. If not, there could be. It's a good thesis yeah. for somebody to do, right? I, I, should, <laughs> I should jump on that. <laughs> but I mean, there, I think some of it runs, there are things that run in, certain temperaments run in families, let me put yeah. it that way. Like addictive traits run in families. Sure. Depression and anxious traits, traits run in families. It's, it's how you learn to cope, whether or not you, you can be predisposed to having a personality or certain traits where you're more likely to break down into an unhealthy coping skill yeah. versus that resiliency. So it, it depends on, on your environment, nature versus nurture, right? Right. Like the environment versus genetics. So it depends on like, you might have a trait, but then what happens to you will form whether you're, you know, which way you're going to go. So. Yeah, that's true. You know, you could have, you could be the, the, the child who is a little more, um, you know, who cries a little more often in this, that, yeah. and the other, a little more, di- uh, he's a, he's a difficult child, you know, that kid, yeah. <laughs> but they right. could, you, you could also grow up to find skills to handle that. Exactly. And then you have a perfectly, right. uh, uh, balanced mental health for the rest of your life, yeah. or it can right. go the other way. <laughs> you know, that difficult right. child can grow up to be a criminal, to be an addict, to be, Yeah. It's right. I just wonder how arbitrary that is or, or, you know, what are we missing something as a society, things that we could do to kind of cut off some of that suffering due to mental health issues? I have noticed with this generation now, like the teens and the 20 somethings now, 
after Gen Z. I think guess they're yeah, Gen what Z. Is that, whatever, Gen- whatever their title is, yeah. I have noticed that they are way more mental health literate than any other generation I've ever seen. Oh, really? It's actually pretty really? I'm actually proud. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that a lot of them, it's not a stigma as much as it was for like our generations or older generations. It, um, a lot of them were in counseling, getting pulled out of class to go have counseling with their counselors, or they've just been in counseling from a young age, it, and a lot of their peers have. And they're, they know the lingo. They know. I've seen them teach other kids like grounding strategies for panic attacks. Like they teach each other now and they talk about it. They do their TikToks on it. You know, wow. I've just noticed that they, their, their literacy has increased and the stigma for things is, is gone down a lot too. Yeah. They're more than willing to reach out. So I don't know where I was going with that. I don't know what I said, <laughs> but I've just noticed that like I just started, I just rambled. And, but I have, I've noticed that, uh, which I think is great though. It's not like, I think the barriers are going down. And with more modalities like the online counseling or in-person or whatever, it's increased um, availability. I'm trying to think. So there's what, definitely a need, you know? I'm trying to think of my two two kids we have here. Um, our daughter is 16. Our son will be 14 soon. And um, while I've never thought directly on how you know mature or how literate they are when it comes to mental health issues uh one thing that does come to mind is that their um their half brother my son uh back home in the states died uh from a heroin overdose and you know i i we we were very open about it Uh, they knew that he had a problem with heroin before he died and uh, i told them when he died and, you know, of course, from that came all of the discussions about addiction, mental health and everything. And I am, I don't want to say I'm surprised because I know what my kids are capable of handling and everything, but I am proud that they've handled um, the, that, that, that bucket of information as well as they have. So maybe that speaks yeah. to the literacy of that generation in general when it comes to mental health and, uh, and issues like addiction and things like that. Maybe they are better educated than us. Yeah. I think they are definitely very, it, it's also, it's all, the stigma has gone. I think whenever there was a problem, like I had somebody mention, I was a male and I think men are, I'm getting more male clients too. Men used to uh, not talk as much about I, their feelings. That's it, good that you're getting more males because yes, I've, I talk about that all the time that guys mm-hmm. stop trying to be so doggone tough and pounding your chest. Yeah. They are anger, anger or being in control or anger are the only emotions you can show. You can't show sadness or anxiety or fear or any of those. those well, a lot of, a lot of men go to the but grave. Changing. It's changing. Like, yeah. I mean, this, I really feel, I feel like it is not everybody. I mean, everyone's got their own family dynamics. Sure. And, sure. But I, I'm just seeing an increased percentage of people that are okay with that. Well, I, I, I know, I know that a lot of men, a lot of men go to their grave with heart attacks and strokes because of all the mm-hmm. stress that they hold in. They refuse to I'm express it. Saying, I have like several police officer, um, clients right now, several of them. And I had one that was very depressed, but he's like, but, but if I take antidepressants, aren't people going to judge me? Like when I grew up, everyone said that stigma. if you took this, you were crazy. You were this. Stigma, and I'm like, yeah. who's going to, the stigma. And he was very afraid of that. I'm like, for one, it's protected information. Who's going to know? It's not like, you know, even in your job, if they drug test, it's not going to come up, but it's the stigma. He was afraid. So, well, yeah. if there is a professional group that needs more uh, focus on mental <laughs> oh, health, yeah. it is the police. Uh, I'm a former cop. And back mm-hmm. in my day, uh, you know, coming up mm-hmm. through the early to mid 90s to into the 2000s, yeah. There, yeah. there was no D 
debrief. There was no counseling. There was no, it, it was unheard no. of. It was unheard right. of. Right. And it was, and if you found out somebody was doing something oh, or getting counseled, yeah. it, it was like a stigma. And that's yeah. what he was saying. And the pressure that's on them right now is pretty high too. So, but anger management's needed. I mean, you're getting traumatized often through your work, even if it's like that secondary trauma, hearing negative things all the time or seeing the worst of humanity all the time can have Yeah. So. So I, but the thing is, I do see them reaching out, and that's another aspect of where the online is helpful. Because if they don't have the courage to actually walk into an office, they might have the courage to pick up the phone call or do the video. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful service that you offer, and and that that uh, that fear of of turning the doorknob and walking into the office, a lot of people. You know, I, yeah. I I've, you know, I do, like I said, my son has passed, yeah. and. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I tried, I had two rounds where I tried to get into some kind of counseling to talk about it. And that whole thing about going to some office somewhere, I didn't really care about whether people found, you know, I talk about it on my podcast, so I don't care if people find yeah. out about it, but there was just something. Man. Yeah, but there's there was, something intimidating. Yeah, there's something intimidating about leaving the comfort of my office or my home or my couch, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and going into this person who I didn't know. And, and yeah, there's just and something just about that. Not your, all your inner stuff, like the yeah. sensitive stuff. Yeah. It's the feeling of maybe being judged too. So that depends. Like I, you don't want to have that judgment or that you don't, you don't know how the person's going to handle it or react. I think right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Do you find that women want to speak to a woman, a female counselor and men want to speak to a male counselor? Women usually want women um not always though like um i've worked with some male counselors and they're fine i I have noticed there's a lot of transference sometimes i worked with a couple when you have a male (laughs) the male counselors have to be very careful with the females because when you have a male counselor and i've seen this happen a lot and you have a single or a single mother the single mothers or a single female with a male listening to her feelings validating her and being attentive there's some transfers. Sometimes I women will, I, I've just seen it. I had a lot of male counselors and they, and they have to be very on guard for boundaries with the female clients. It just seems like it happens with, with some, not all. I try to judge all females that they can't talk to a male counselor. Yeah. But you got to think if you're, if you're having depression or you're lonely or you're stressed and here's this opposite. And it happens, it's happened to me with some male clients too. If somebody's listening, a human being is listening to you. I should put it that way. Yeah. And in hearing you, it can, there can be some transference. That's just something I've noticed where the, the feelings, you got to watch those feelings. This is your counselor, not a potential date. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you know, that's... Uh, For that's women, a, that's also depends on the issue, too. If it's a domestic violence or wow. um, any kind of sexual trauma or anything, you're going to want to stick with the same... Yeah. What about along the lines, of, uh, the lines of race? Do you find that white... People want to have a white yeah. counselor. Blacks want to have a black. Yeah. I worked in a St. Thomas um, where I was in the minority um, and I worked at a domestic violence center on the island. And um, there were many times that I was. Oh, the, the Virgin only- Islands. The Virgin Islands. Okay. Yeah, St. St. Thomas. Thomas yeah, yeah. 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 So it's mostly Caribbean, West Indian yeah. Caribbean. And I, I've been there. I, it's beautiful there. Right, and it's different than. Yes, gorgeous. And it, well, it was very different. I didn't feel like a minority because I wasn't. <laughs> right, right. Well, it is different, though. It's different yeah, culture. It's it is. Culture. It it's is very different. different. So, yeah. Um, 
but I was one of the, I was one of the only white people that worked there. And I'm only just white. I'm blue eyed, blonde, white, yeah. which is like ultra white. Right. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So, um, and I did my best, but there were some, I remember there was this one woman that came in and she's like, I'm not talking to that blonde bitch, oh. <laughs> that white bitch. Um, right off the bat. And it was, so we had, we had days where we would rotate, like who would take the walk-in clients, right? Cause we were funded by, um, the Violence Against Women Act and the the Victims of Crime Act, which are kind of both big deals right now. So we were had we were grant funded by the federal government, and so we we took our turns taking in walk-ins, and we couldn't turn people away because it's a grant. You know, we're not going to do that. Um, but yeah, I got people that were like, I don't want to talk to you. Like you're. How did and you then feel? I did these I did these teen groups too, and they they had fun with me because they would like they would talk in their like their uh, slang island yeah, slang, and I yeah. could not understand a word of it. I can understand slang in the states because it's different. Yeah. They're down there. It's very talk different. So I can yeah. like another language. I'm like, yeah, they're all making fun of me. They're all making fun of me. So I had to become <laughs> very self-deprecating. Yeah. It's very self-deprecating to be like, ugh. Well, it's uh, it. it's it's a very. Uh, I don't want to sound patronizing, but I would assume it was probably quite an eye-opening experience culturally. Oh. To all of it, a sudden, it opened be, my eyes a lot. Yeah. Yes, it opened my eyes a lot, and um. I learned a lot, and there. After a while, there I, I developed a, a sense of trust. They began to trust me in the community, but I had to really work on, yeah, just being humble, sitting back, listening, and and um, it, I don't know how to even put it into words. It was just I had to just step back, you know, and not. That could be uh, that could be an hour long discussion in itself. Yeah, your, your experience is there. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a whole another can of worms. Yeah, I so. was there, uh, not in a professional. Well, professional in the sense it was a um, international powerlifting championship, um, but not on no, Saint Thomas. Saint Croix. I'm sorry. Say again. I'm just surprised they had that there, but St. Croix, yeah. It's oh, yeah, it's uh, the, the North American Powerlifting Federation, which is part of the International Powerlifting Federation. So it was the North mm-hmm. American Championships. And right. and it floats from location to location every year, but that year it fell on uh, St. Croix. Oh, cool. So nice. what a place. Yeah. Uh, this, is in, this is in 20, what was it, 2016, 2015? Yeah, I and, and what right. a place. And... You talk about an eye opener. You know, I, I'm talking about what an eye opener it must have been for you as a white American to all of a sudden be there in a work environment and be a minority. But it was an eye opener for me to come from Norway, where everybody oh, yeah. everybody looks like you, and then to just have that. Very, yeah, they're all. Yeah. Yeah. And then to just have that one weekend there, it was like. Okay, this is it feel better. It felt better. I really feel like almost every white person should experience it. I really do because it was like I was I was I was feeling like a sense. Of, there were times where I felt like a sense of anger. It was there was a lot of. This is the thing. Even though I was in the minority there, it was still very um, economically. I was not. Yes. The, the poverty. Yes. Oh, um, it's crushing. I was. I was still seen as. The power, the power differential. Yeah. It's not really so much about race, it's about power, right? Yes. So I was still perceived as most of the people who owned anything on that island that had any wealth were white, yes. even though it was probably 10% of the yeah. people, if that. So, um, yeah, I, was, I still felt a lot of um, anger towards me or just, I remember I was trying to get a rental car one day because my, my car wasn't working and the, it was really weird. Like she knew I was local, like to when I went into the airport. The woman would not look at me. She would not even respond. Like she was oh, just wow. mad. Like, and I felt wow. it. It was like, 
I felt this hatred and I'm like, look, wow. I just need a car. Yeah. But then I'm like, okay, how many times would the other, other races felt what I'm felt, feeling? It was like a, you know, like it was a, as much anger as I felt, I'm in a privileged position. So it was different, but I'm, it just, I think every white person should experience that at some point, what it's like to be on the other side. At least, at least, at least every, at least every Republican, at least every Republican. Yeah. 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 Anyone that doesn't understand it just to experience it, to like get a little empathy, I think. Well, Um, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of the racial troubles, not just in America, but, but, but in the world, it's, yeah, there's a racial element to it, but it's compounded by that economic inequality. It's power. Yeah. It's power. Yeah. yeah. It's power. It's power. No, it was. Racial. It was. Uh, that's one thing that I noticed, and I had always heard that this was the case, but to actually be there on Saint Croix, uh, I remember the ride from the airport to the resort where we were staying and where the competition was going to be. I want to say it took maybe 30, 35 minutes to drive from the airport to where we were, and mm-hmm. everywhere I looked just the tiniest little shack houses. Yeah. Uh, Poverty. Poverty. And then imagine a hurricane hitting that, you know? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Snoopy and I were going to be, I had, I liked it there so much. Snoopy and I were going to go there a couple of years, right at the beginning of the the pandemic, we were going to go there uh, to the same resort and just hang out. But that was... I want to say it was right at, I'm trying to get my time straight, but I'm, I want to say it was right after the hurricane, uh, mm-hmm. the hurricane hit the, the, the Caribbean and yeah. the whole resort was just gone, just leveled. Yeah. And so I'm clicking through and I'm reading articles about everything going on there. And they're talking about how they just don't know how the people are going to survive, not how they're going to be comfortable, not how they're going to make it, but how are they going to survive without the income from that resort and other resorts like it that were just wiped Mm -hmm. off the map because of the, so, so that kind of drives home how poor uh, those, those Caribbean Island nations actually are. But then there's also a lot of wealth too. Well, that's from, <laughs> just the mid- from from where that from where that um, resort was. When you go up into the hills, you'd see these beautiful yeah, villas. Up. Yeah, they're protected. Yes, from the flooding. Yes, yep. mm-hmm. you'll see these beautiful villas. And the people that were working at that resort told us every single one of them mm-hmm. was an American expat from the mainland. Not one, right. not and one local person white, was living right. like that. And they're usually white, right? Yeah, exactly. So, right. So you get, and that's the, that's where it comes from. But yeah. It's a terrible dynamic, that economic thing, which then compounds racism. Uh, I'm not mad at anybody who has a lot of money, but Mm -hmm. the worst racists are the ones who have a lot of money. (laughs) Or prevent, it's, it's the prevention was something I've kind of been awoken to the last few years is the prevention of people of minorities from being able to acquire wealth. (laughs) That's systemic. I have spoken a lot. Yeah. I've used my podcast platform to speak on that and yeah. it's brought me a lot of fortune and a little bit of fame here in Norway, but I've also yeah. gotten a lot of pepper because of it, because really? that, yeah, because that whole issue about systemic racism, that whole thing oh, about how huge. it's about, about how it's ingrained in that element of whiteness that can be oppressive. I'm not saying it is for all, but can be oppressive. Yeah. And there's so yeah. many people who just can't handle hearing that. They so can't so they there's, the, there's the there's the there's the the fighting back against that d- 
discussion that needs to be had. Like, well, if they just work hard like we worked hard, then they can do it. But if there's a systemic reason and then a generational yeah. trauma on top of that, then it's not just that cut and dry. If you can't get loans, if you can't get anyone Thank to believe you. in you, I mean, yeah. yeah, this whole, I know, it's I, I see it clear as day. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and it should be clear for everyone, but I think a lot of people have... It's a learning curve. It's a learning curve. Well, Part of my graduate degree, I actually got, um, and this is, this. I just think I, I'm glad I did this. So I got my master's in counseling, but I got psychology and counseling, but I also got a certificate in conjunction with that in multicultural counseling. Oh. Part of that was actual classes that... Um, we had to look at ourselves. So not only my experiences, but also in part of school, we had to do a lot of the work that I think everybody should do, yeah. honestly, as far as examining those unconscious biases and those things that you had. And, I'm, and I was different by the time I graduated than when I started, because I learned and I had to think differently. It will change. You know, a little bit of thought will make a lot of change. <laughs> and then I experienced people assuming I'm a certain way because I look a certain way too. So. I, I learned early on to never, you know, my family is, is a, uh, a racially mixed family. So I grew up with, mm-hmm. uh, okay. so I, I learned yeah. very early on to not just, just because someone looks a certain way or comes right. from a certain place does not dictate yeah. who they are as a person. I was fortunate, yeah. quite fortunate to have learned that right. very early on. And, and, and that's where the exposure to different peoples, different cultures, different ways of thinking is so important. And the best way to have mm-hmm. that exposure as an adult is through dialogue and discussion. But again, yes. there's so many people who are not willing to have, you know, the minute you say the words systemic racism, yeah. they're just they cut off. Defense, yeah. Defenses go yeah. yeah. Well, I yeah. think the social media has kind of caused they may it's made that worse just yeah. how the discussions yeah. or how they've been fueled if you have people in person this is something i think is better almost in person or at least in a moderated setting if you're going to do it online where people can talk openly about yeah. things and have a discussion like you said as opposed to just like i i myself i got really fired up especially in the four years of the yeah. last thing we had um <laughs> I, I i was getting very passionate online to the point yes. where I, I didn't even recognize myself and I would fall into this anger and, and stuff. So it's actually, I'm feeling better now, but I fell into it. It wasn't, it wasn't helpful. And you're just getting into like these responsive reactions. Yeah. It's a real easy trap to fall into. Uh, yeah. I started to go down that road, you know, uh, yeah. uh, three or four years ago. And I don't, I don't know what, caused me to change my way of thinking but at some point i realized that social media can be a good thing uh and it can be a bad thing it's all in how you use it it's all in how you perceive it and it's a question of when you realize that this is not true dialogue that's not true dialogue when you're typing the dialogue is here the conversation that's a a good in-person thing or at least like or at least like a group setting even online group as long as there's a moderator somebody to like bring it down yeah. if you're just or, or if it's at least video video is great yeah because then you can get the cues and you're talking to a person you're not just doing keyboard warrior like yeah. i hear I, and i i'm hor- i'm a horrible texter but i i can't even type right i'm very good with pen and paper <laughs> pen and paper my my i'm great but typing i don't know what it is i i just kind of lose some kind of connection in my head but i I think you lose the tone, you lose the context. You just hear somebody's words and you can you yeah. interpret it. And I need to that. see the eyes. I need to see the facial yeah, expression. Right. I need to see the body movement. Uh, that that is that, that's paramount. But I it's think, also it's I also think, paramount for me to to be able to get my point across properly. I want them to see me in well, return. Even hearing it, even even hearing a tone. Yeah. 
Yeah. You can have something like in a text. You ever just get a text and you take it? Like, how, <laughs> how did that person mean it? Yes, way and too often. Be fine, but because they were in a rush, it came off like kind of a, a shorter abrasive. It's, it's at least at least a tone. So I've, I've gone over, thing. yeah, I've gone over to 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 voice texting, whether it's on messenger, on on uh, mm-hmm. on telephone text. I've gone over to using my voice. I want them to hear right. what I'm saying, so there's nothing to misinterpret. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, communication, communication. <laughs> oh, all over the place. So, yeah. So, how's things in Florida? Have you met Florida man? Have you had Florida <laughs> man? Uh, I think I probably have several times, and all his cousins and half siblings too. I don't know, probably. F- Florida don't know. is, you know, people. I don't want to. I don't want to go to the cliche, bad mouth yeah. of Florida, but Florida is a weird state. It's a weird melt. I think it's, it attracts it, people from the rest of the. Yes. You know, sunshine. Like if you're depressed up north and you're, and it's the winter. I think any place warm, <laughs> especially Florida, for some reason. It attracts people thinking that my life will be perfect when it's sunny and there's palm trees, you know, and I escape winter or I, everything will be happy and shiny. So I think we get a lot of the mentally ill people congregating. Well, there's a, there's a lot of, <laughs> and I say, one thing I no. noticed there's in some areas of Florida, there's a lot of New Yorkers and uh, for, former New Yorkers and New Jersey people, you know, from that that's area of the, of the East. Mm-hmm. And that's so strange. And I wonder if, there was something dormant in those people's brains that was frozen from all those Northeast winters. And now they're in Florida and it's thawed out. And now the crazy is coming out. I don't know. I, I, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was reading somewhere too, that um, one of the reasons there's that Florida man phenomena is that a lot of the newspapers would start off with Florida man. Like that was how they, like yeah. whenever something yeah. happened, they would just Florida the man, and yeah. so a hashtag kind of thing. Yeah. I hope I never meet that guy. There are some interesting ones. There's some fun ones out there. There's some fun ones. Yeah. It's, uh, there's a lot of, like the street from me, there was a woman that, and I, I, I knew people that saw this. She was like on a lot of drugs and got out of her car, like meth, I think. Got out of her car, butt naked, got on her roof, middle of traffic. That sounds like Nobody could leave. And was like, just talking. I sat like naked on her roof and was talking to people on the roof of her car. And and then you wonder why Florida gets a bad rap. Yeah, but I think it's the weather. You can't do that. I mean, yeah, maybe you could in, in like if you're in Montana, but I mean, you'd be cold. You probably it would deter them. From well, more meth. They need more meth, and then they won't feel the cold, and then they'll do it. <laughs> I saw another guy wrapped in a, a flag one time running across US one. Oh God! In a flag. I don't know what that was about. The cops are chasing him. And I was like, oh, look at that. That's interesting. It's, 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 I'm like desensitized. I it's don't know. a weird state. It's a very weird. And I, 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 I hate to say this, but my wife wants very much for us to find a property or a house or something in Florida. It's she very, wants to live there. There's beautiful little niches too. There's like little niches, like where I am right now. I'm happy. I can also disappear here. Nobody really, I can, yeah. I can be almost invisible yeah. too. Why I does she want to come? Well, she likes the warm weather. She's a Norwegian yeah. who doesn't like the cold, which is weird, but she's weird. So, <laughs> no, she, how did she, you meet your wife? I'm curious. Oh, how did wow. you meet this Norwegian woman? Yeah. Um, she um, she has a, a friend that she's been friends with since she was a a, a teenager, since her early teens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hega is her name. Yeah. Uh, so Hega moved to Chicago, where I was. Oh. Li- I was living in the Chicago suburbs, uh, in the middle. Oh, I I went there in the middle 90s. And so Hega comes there and she's 
at the time girlfriends with one of my good friends that I trained with at the gym. So I met Hege and right away Hege started telling me, yeah, you got to meet my friend uh, uh, back in Norway. She's coming here to visit me. She'll be here for a few weeks on vacation. You got to meet her. And I just, I wasn't interested at the time. I was in another relationship at the time. So my wife comes to visit Hege and I meet her. It's like, yeah, hi, how you doing? Goodbye. Mm-hmm. You know, I went right. back to, went back to training in the gym. Um, so time goes on a couple years go by and each year my wife came to visit Haga. I would see her again at the gym and just, you know, hi, how you doing? And then, uh, I'm finished with that other relationship. My wife comes to visit Haga again and something clicked. It's like, ah, here. Yeah. Okay. Um, So we started, we started dating and, um, we got married in, uh, 2001 and halfway through 2002, we were living in Norway. Oh, Long story short. And you like it there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. You so still like it there? Yeah, you know, it's, um, I'm, I'm terribly homesick. Terribly yeah. homesick. I miss, I miss my Ohio. I miss my family uh, back home in Ohio. I miss being home in Ohio. But having said that, everything is fine here, you know. I have a great career. My wife has a great career. We got two beautiful kids. Everything is fine, but it's not home. It feels different. I, I, yeah, I know. I, I visited Tiffany there, our mutual friend yeah. there, Tiff. Um, and even just getting, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. But even just getting off the um, the plane and getting on the train to go see her in Portsmouth, it was, I, I said, I don't want to offend anybody, but I remember I said something to her where I was like, it, see, it feels like the invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah. Like nobody speaking nobody was speaking and there was just success and, and as an american i guess we're very like ah you know yeah. at least friendly but nobody would do eye contact and nobody yes. would talk and she was she was laughing so hard she was like oh my god you've noticed that like in the first five minutes i'm like yeah because it was know, so socially it's hard i have i have my <laughs> i have my circle of friends from the music community right. i've met tons of people through my podcast my friends from the powerlifting community but what I miss is that random conversation, that random act of right. kindness, that yeah, random contact. I got dirty looks. They're yeah. like, don't talk to me yeah. kind of thing. You yeah. know? Like, it was like respectful to not bother somebody. Yes. But I'm like, yes. hello. Yeah, you know. <laughs> no, you don't. And then I feel like that obnoxious American. I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, so I, I, I'm, I'm doing fine here. Uh, all is well, but, but I'm terribly homesick. I do, I do miss being home. Yeah. You should come to Florida then. I went through a period like a lot of my friends moved away, and I'm waiting for them to all move back. <laughs> so. You know, I should I should give Florida another chance. I've been there. Uh, I, I was a truck driver for about two oh. two years after my time in the U.S. Marines, so I was in Florida a lot in connection with that job. I was living in North Carolina at that time, but very yeah. very often in Florida. And then I've yeah. went there once since I've been here. In fact, that time I went to the Virgin Islands, um, mm-hmm. the wife and kids and I, we also spent time in Florida at Disney World. Oh, yeah. And I, 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 so I've given Florida a lot of chances. So maybe I need to go back one more time. It depends and, on where you are. You know how Florida's different wherever you are. The that's true. Versus Miami versus that's Tampa. True. Here by the NASA, you know, or Jacksonville. It's all Orlando theme park. It's all different. That's true. Depends on what you want. Yeah, you know, but I've seen, I've seen all those places. I've, seen I've given it so many chances. I and, think and you I, might like Chicago. I think you need to go to Chicago again. I've always wanted to go. I actually well, have well, it on know, my list. I've never been to Chicago, and I'm dying to go there. 
Chicago is a great city, but I don't think it's a great city for a former cop. I'm not going to Chicago unless I'm armed. <laughs> Oh really? Okay, see, I, didn't know. I was uh, I was I was a narcotics I was a I was a narcotics and gang detective, so really? I don't have many friends. <laughs> I don't have many friends in the streets of Chicago. So your son, where was your son raised? Was he born and raised in? Uh, born in Lansing, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. And okay. and then after his mother and I split up, they moved to Hammond, Indiana, just right across the state line into Indiana. Okay. So that's where he did most of his growing yes. up and his, his life okay. as a young adult until he passed away. I was just, okay. I was just curious because you were a narcotics officer, but yeah. your son had a, so that must have been hard for you. Well, it was a... The counselor me is coming at him. Sorry, I'm like well, getting no, questions. No, don't apologize. No, I, I speak about this often. His his passing is the reason why I started this podcast. Uh, I was oh. so... Yeah, I got so depressed and I was just held... I was t- totally clueless about... You know, I mean, that's, that's a shock. Nobody's supposed to lose their child. So it really hurt me. It crushed me. And I just lost all motivation for anything. For, for anything. And my yeah. wife being the smart lady that she is, she says, you need to find something that will give you motivation and inspiration again. How? Yeah. So then my thought was, how am I going to do that? Well, right. she and others have always told me I should either get into radio or start a podcast, you know, use my voice. And I says, well, why can't you I do Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, so, so my thought was, why don't I do that? And then I can focus on, discussing or bringing in guests who do what who motivate me and inspire yeah. me so that is exactly so so that is a, that's that's also a sideways compliment to you you oh, thank you. you you make me so curious uh you definitely inspire me to be in this giving modus because you as a counselor as a therapist you are a giver so I that am. that inspires me, that motivates me, that makes me curious about you, and that's why I asked you to come on. I mean, you fall you fall right into the very reason as to why I started this podcast. Yeah. That's so thank wonderful. you. I actually makes me feel like you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. So 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 this this whole podcast, it's you know, and of course since then I've branched off. You know, I, I put a lot of comedy into it. I have a lot of stand up yeah. comedians come on. Yeah. When Snoopy, my wife, you is therapeutic. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Well, I have a, I have a bit uh, in my stand-up routine where I actually am uh, making myself and my audience laugh about my son's addiction and his death. I've actually incorporated wow. that into my stand-up routine, and it's been incredibly therapeutic. Wow. So I'm, I'm here glad to- you're at that stage, though. That's great if you're at that stage where you can do that. Well, that's not to say that I had, I don't have my low moments as as well. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, it's yeah, a, it's a yeah. process. But, uh, yeah, but that's the inspiration for me doing this podcast. Yeah, I've gone on to other things as far as the content, but the original reason for doing a podcast was to climb out of that state what of... What a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's my wife's idea. It wasn't my idea. It's hers. Right, really. so. You got to give her credit there. You got a good I do. I tease her. <laughs> I tease her because I love. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. No, listen. Does she work in Norway? Yeah, she does. She's a <laughs> she's a psychiatric nurse. Yeah. Oh, see? All right. <laughs> it all comes around full circle. There all you right. go. Gotcha. There you go. Very cool. Very cool. She's um Yeah, she's a giver. She's a give very much a giver. She's far from as sociable as I am, but underneath right. that underneath that hard exterior, she's a giver as well. Yeah. 
There's this thing that people who give, uh, and I don't know how to put words on it, and every time I try to explain it, it comes out different, but there's this thing that some people have, and usually it's women, where they are Mm. such a sincere and authentic giving person. I can feel it. I feel it when I speak with them. I feel it when when I'm near them. And my yeah. wife has that, and I think that's what attracted me to her in the first place. I could feel, I could feel that giving part Gen- of her. It's genuine. Like she's genuine. Yeah, she's real. real. Just yeah. re- as real as real can be, and very giving and selfless. Selfless. Oh. Yeah. That's wonderful. And she's not here listening, so this is coming from the heart. I'm not trying to get brown. I know. I was going to say, this isn't even for like any kind of profit. And I can tell you really. You mean it. I know. I can see it. And, and she never listens to my podcast either. She, I have her as a guest from time to time, but she never yeah. listens. So, you know, and, and people oh. tell me, oh, your wife must be so proud of you with your podcast. I'm like, you know, actually, she's not. She never listens. She's got her own stuff. She's got her own stuff. <laughs> but listen, listen, Michelle, I want to ask you something yeah. before we wind this up. Sure. Um, I'm kind of turning the tables on you. You know, a, 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 a counselor, a therapist, they try to promote deep thinking in their, in their clients, but I want to promote deep thinking in you. Sure. I'm going to say three words and then I want you to finish the sentence or if it has oh, to be uh, several sentences. Then go ahead. Okay. <laughs> All right. You, you ready? Okay. All right. Yeah. Mich- Michelle Higgins is. Independent, um, caring, empathetic. Independent, caring, and empathetic. That's the first things that came to my head, yeah. Well, that must be what you Happy, are then. Peaceful, content. You look you you look like you would just be a fun person to hang. You look like if I were to come to Florida to give Florida another uh, chance. I'm also a ball of fun, yeah. Well, <laughs> if I were to, if I were to come to Florida to give Florida another chance, I get the feeling that you would show would be fun. I think I think it would be fun. You seem like a fun person. Yeah. All right, thank you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'd have fun. I'd be happy getting you here because, like I said, a lot of my friends moved away, so I'm like, hang out with besides Florida man, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so here, and, and here's the last thing I like to ask of you before we wind mm-hmm. this up: Can sure. you say something? You know, I, I talk about motivation, I talk about inspiration, and why I have my guests on. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've already inspired me. You've already motivated me. But can you say something that? my guests, I'm sorry, that my listeners and my viewers can carry with them for the next few days, some words of encouragement, motivation, or inspiration. That's a lot to ask, but can you do that for them? That is like, yeah, that's like right off the top of my head. Right off the top of your head. Well, or better said, right straight from your heart. No matter what you're, if somebody's having a problem or no matter what you're going through, like I like some Buddhism kind of things sometimes or Taoism, but there's that thing of, um, impermanence right nothing stays the same so no matter what you're going through things will change right it's that's the law of nature like nothing stays the same good or bad so anything that's challenging or struggling for you is, is going to change good things will happen can't, well, stay, can't rain forever yeah nothing is going to change things are going to change and most likely for the better or right, at least easy. to a situation that's easier to handle, easier to tackle. And if not, there are people out there that are also willing to help and to listen to you. And it, it's getting more um, accessible for yes. remote people. It, like you said, like, you know, internet, Wi-Fi, telehealth, there's always somebody there that's willing to help. So. 
some wise. No, I'm sure it came from the heart, and that's exactly what I want. Your 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 statement from the heart that people can carry with them, and that 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 idea of um, of you know the, the ability to know that nothing stays the same can be incredibly comforting in times of, of distress because people can very often you, they, you can't think five seconds ahead so you're in this moment which can be a good thing but if your moment is so horrible you, you may not be able to see any hope so you reminding people that things do change that there might be a path that's a little bit easier to walk that is yes. quite encouraging for people. So thank you for saying that. You're welcome. Michelle, Tiffy was right. You're a good person. <laughs> thank you. Way to go, Tiffy. Tiffy is a... Who actually wants to do a, one together. Yeah, I wanted to say this for everybody watching and listening. Yeah. This is not the last time that people are going to see or hear you. Uh, Tiffy is working <laughs> on another episode where you'll be coming back. And, you know, this was just a general get to know you, you know, uh, assuage my curiosity episode. But the next episode yeah. is going to be focused. We're not going to say what the, the topic is. Uh, we'll let Tiffy do that when the time is right. And and I can't wait yeah. to have you to have you back That'd on. Tiffy I'd like to meet your wife sometime, too. I'm curious about her her field as the psychiatric nurse. I'm curious. You know, I, be- I'll, I'll, I'll go through my archives um, and find a couple of episodes I've had with her because uh, she speaks her mind on those episodes, you know, when she gets a word in, when I'm not teasing her or trying to make her laugh, but when she speaks, right. she does speak her mind. So I'll, I'll, I'll send you a couple episodes and that that's her in a nutshell. And then the time will come where you're going to come here to visit uh, Tiffy and yeah. it's an hour, a little over an hour train ride, but what's, I love that train ride yeah. too. I did and you guys, out. when you come here, yeah. It, yeah. So when you come here, you've got to, you've got to come visit us. Absolutely. I would love it. Okay. Yay. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> well, hold on for one second, Michelle. I want to say something to my viewers and listeners. Sure. Um, everybody who's watching, everybody who's listening, uh, thank you all for your support. Check the uh, description of this episode and you'll see um, a few links there that you can click into if you'd like to support the work that I do on the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Thank you all so much for watching. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, you have any comments, questions, uh, you want to curse me out or you want to praise me to the heavens, send me an email. You can do that at <laughs> John at most of them are going to curse me out, but, uh, send me an email at, uh, John at John Allen That's J O H N A L A N P O D.com. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Michelle Higgins, thank you so much. Thank you. Nice to see you, John. Bye, everybody. Bye.